Oracle Soup. Dishing up tasty morsels of tarot wisdom and other oracular tidbits with your hosts, Katrina Wynn and Gina Thies. Two saucy sisters broadcasting from the magnificent Oregon coast and from deep in the heart of Texas. And inviting your questions about tarot, oracles, counseling skills, reading advice, and more. Be sure to visit our website at oraclesoup.org to listen to our podcast archive. You can also visit us on Facebook and like our Oracle Soup page, where you can share your wisdom and request for Oracle Soup topics. Soup is hot now, and it's ready to be served. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Oracle Soup. I am Gina Thies, here with my girlfriend... Katrina Wynn. Yes, and we yes. are here with another uh, kitchen table conversation, which is got really interesting. <laughs> you are going to enjoy this, I hope, because while we're going to be talking to our dear friend Michael Bridge Dixon, who is a fellow tarot deck creator as well as a writer. Well, you know, a little writing. It's not like he has a big book, but he wrote a really nice little book to go with his deck. And we're really talking about the creative process and, and how decks themselves don't always have to follow a certain template. For instance, they don't have to look like a, a weight deck or even a Marseille deck. That you can go in a lot of different directions with your creativity. Like you, sweet Gina, you creative person over there. Oh, yeah, I'm just all over the place with in terms of creativity. But, um, and, you know, it's different when you're being creative for self versus deciding to put something out for others to use um, and enjoy. And so, you know, following and in reference to, you know, tarot decks and oracle decks, you know, it's, it's like you have to decide tradition, usability, what people would look for. So there's all sorts of elements to consider in the creative process. But in this conversation, we got a whole lot of information about, um, we talked about traditions and we talked about symbols and we talked a little bit even about publishing. So I think this is going to be a chock full, hearty bowl right of goodness that we're <laughs> that we're going to be talking with hey Michael. you got some chunky pieces you can knot on <laughs> yes. and so we usually do a card as well i'm and... thinking we could do it right off the cuff we're good that way <laughs> i'm thinking good that way something to do with creativity when i think of creativity i think of threes You're maybe there's like a threes. minor arcana three in there somewhere like a a wand or something Maybe I was. I'm also thinking in this process that, you know, looking at the churning and the creating and the details of stuff that eights are really good too. Ooh, so have, yeah. You know, we have kind of the go. So I, my first thought was eight of pentacles. Yeah, yeah. eight of pentacles. That was that was my first thought. So that was very random and good. So it always every time I have seen a eight of pentacle cards, it shows somebody working. 
you know, some sort of craftsmanship going on. And so uh, in, in terms of creation and, and, and getting uh, in result from that, um, that's why I think this is a really good card for, for this episode. So it's all about the crafts, craftsmanship is associated right. with that. Right? And it's also honoring the fact that this person is a craftsperson. They're not like a, an initiate in something or what do you call it when you're in the first stage of learning a craft? You're a apprentice. Um, an apprentice. There you go. So you're not an apprentice. You've actually mastered your art and it's in production and people obviously like it enough to want you to continue creating it. And of course, that is sort of the question in the background when we talk about these decks is like, it's one thing to be inspired to create the deck. It's another thing if you're producing it commercially to create something that other people are inspired to work with and use. So back to that Eight of Pentacles, I, I can see that as a really excellent selection, Gina. Well, you know, the other thing for me in a reading when it comes up, often it may be associated with someone is getting trained or taking on an internship to learn to, you know, to improve themselves. So they're learning from masters. They have not yet mastered, but they're aiming to do that. So they want to get the highest and best expertise and information and knowledge that they can. So they actually... um, study under someone that has is a craft master or a master craft person (laughs) (laughs) now on the other side if we're thinking of it a little outside the box which of course is partly what our show is about in this particular episode i also think of of the eight as sort of a balancing when i go back to justice being an eight potentially in the major arcana that the aid itself is balancing so how am i balancing my physical skills with my material needs you know there's the even in when we look at economics there's there's demand and supply you know how do i balance out my need to create uh for instance an income for myself with my need to be really truly just true to my creativity you know and that's something we as tarot people have to balance all the time i know i do yeah it's trying to 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 balance in many many home life versus work life you know Mm -hmm. Uh, another balance is 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 the balance that i have to deal with but um in the eighth of pentacles you know thinking about what that has come to mean to me and you have your your meaning for it too i always see that it's all about attention to details and what you have to what the end result will be and not forgetting the details of what's important and then how you're going to get from point a to point b it's all devil in the details right (laughs) well there you go so that's right off the top of our heads that's your uh featured card for the show enjoy enjoy all right so sit back grab a chair and a big old bowl and i would say you need a big old spoon because we got some chunky yummy stew coming your way or gumbo for some of us and i think you'll enjoy our kitchen table conversation welcome to oracle soup kitchen table conversations you're in the kitchen the oracular kitchen we're cooking it up we're stirring the pot got a lot of wonderful ingredients we're kind of slipping in there and 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 who are you woman Katrina of Oregon. Oh my goodness. And with Gina Thies here in the heart of Texas coming to you 
with another edition, another episode of our wonderful podcast here. And we have in the kitchen with us with some yumminess. Oh, yeah, totally yummy. Yummy for a lot of people, by the way. Very, very attractive, attracting, exciting. Bring in a different, different flavor to the kitchen. Flavor, different flavor. Put some little spice in there. And Okay, so uh, you don't know who we're talking about yet, but you should know who we're talking about. That's and right. we're talking about our Canadian friend Michael Bridge Dixon who's in the kitchen. Yes. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah. We're, we're going to kind of look at tr- symbols of tarot and non-traditional aspect versus what we would consider the traditional what is traditional tarot right now? Is it is it, is it a Marseille? You know, is it the right or weight? What what is that? I mean, that's kind of one of the things when somebody says traditional tarot, okay, you're thinking a 78 card deck, right? right? So Or is it um, just the basic template, you know, the fact that there's 78 cards roughly add or subtract one to where you have majors and then you have minor cards. I mean, to me that's what defines a tarot deck otherwise there have been decks for a very long time we just didn't call them tarot decks until we slept those two together but what's so cool and i get so excited about this is the fact that in our modern day and age all over the world we have so many creative minds adding to the soup and to the mix and to the gumbo of tarot and bringing in their own images their own wisdom i really think of it as a cross-cultural study you know, it's like, how can you have like the Michael Tierra deck where you use herbs to represent the different energies of the cards? I love the idea of going into the energy or the essence in a card and not necessarily having to rely on the medieval characters that we typically would find in what are those more traditional decks. Right, Michael? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's really cool to see also how, like for me too, the, the tarot structure is that that 78 card uh, structure with the majors and minors, but at the same time, if we look at some of the historical decks, um, the this, the structure of the major arcana has changed too. It hasn't always been twenty two cards, and the order has shifted. Not just the the justice strength swap that we're familiar with, kind of quibbling over in the tarot world, but lots of other um, extra cards in in the major arcana. Um, have been kind of added or dropped uh, along the way and I find that really interesting and then like you said some of the the more contemporary creators um, are adding sometimes an extra suit so sometimes it's still ace to ten plus the courts but in a fifth suit Um, and and, uh, or or there's other um, uh, there's other systems too that in my mind, recognize a tarot structure, but they're not at all 78 cards. Wald Amberstone did a deck, too, that's based on the tarot and um, on on the three possible interpretations of cards. That's many... I forget how many cards are in the deck, but it's it's, uh, a deck of many more than 78 cards, but it absolutely, to my mind, is still a tarot deck just because it, it still recognizes that system but it's in a totally different structure he turned it completely around so i do tell people that um when when they call like certain oracle decks uh, a tarot deck i'll sometimes i'll I'll say well it's not really tarot because it's not 78 cards or whatever but at the same time that definition even though to me yes a, a tarot deck is 
usually 78 cards in that structure that we're familiar with. But there are examples of tarot decks that aren't that structure. And so I think it's kind of important for us to realize that and open it up. But then, of course, there's always the discussion, how far do we open it where it's no longer tarot? The other thing is that we're absolutely talking about systems and traditions and how we learn to use what we choose to as a tradition. So, for instance, I'm very much a traditional 78-card tarot deck. I'm not going to read an oracle deck. I may pull in an oracle deck, but for me, the system that I'm using and what I choose to use is a 78-card deck that has to have four suits um, in a major arcana. So if I have another deck that has 84 cards and there's something else, well, it's going to change probably a little bit. It's going to be reflected in my readings a little bit and so I've got to also assign meanings to you know considering who the the creator what their meanings are and then my own meanings because at the end of the day even those tarot 78 card tarot has traditional meanings in in my reading and interpretation of those I probably am not going to consider those as much in making it my own so there's that too right (laughs) yeah but what if you have a deck that's way outside the box like for instance uh, i had this beautiful little majors only deck and it's called the cosmic egg tarot and uh it's from uh one of the gillibel brothers guido gillibel also, I'm thinking about Michael's deck, which I love, the Orbifold, because here you've chosen to use symbols to represent the energy and the evolution of, and, the, and the interchange and the sort of like the experience of the energies within the card and how they're representing life. Because many of us think of Tarot as a template that's a reflection of all aspects of life. And life doesn't always have to be represented by human beings or from a, a human point of view, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, I I created the Orbifold basically because I was starting to collect more more decks and I was just noticing that in my readings what I tended to do was I would kind of scan the 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 overall reading whether it was two cards or 20 cards. I just kind of scan I didn't do that many 20 card readings but um <laughs> I I'd scan them. And just see, okay, how many of this number are present? How many of this suit are present? So I was kind of reducing everything, kind of collecting everything into what's the suits, what are the numbers, and what's missing too. So I was just stripping back um, to, to those basics of what are the suits, what are the numbers, how many majors are there, sometimes how many courts are there, but really trying to get right down to um, suit number to get the essence of the reading. And then after getting the essence of that, then I would layer in things. And I was finding when I was layering things in, um, I would be reading with one deck, but then I'd be like, well, this in this deck, the picture shows this. And so it means it means this. But um, going to kind of the, the essence of the card, the, some, the number in the suit, it, it means slightly different. It means this. And, and in, in the context of the reading, in the context of what's going on right now, that seems more appropriate for you for now. Or I would even go into a different deck and go, well, this picture shows this, but in another deck that I have, the Seven of Wands shows this instead and, and has that different shade of meaning. 
And again, in this context, it seems like that's more appropriate for you. And so I found that the, the reducing to the suit and number uh, was really becoming kind of the essence of what my method was kind of growing into. Right. And, right, right. Um, but at the same time, it's a lot of work, like, especially because tarot, tarot is a visual art form. I mean, it, yeah, there's a system behind it, but it's visual. You're supposed to look at the pictures. You're supposed to see what's in front of you. And so I was kind of, it was a little bit too much work to sway <laughs> the right. images and then reapply them. And so I was like, you know what? I need something that does strip away the images. And I also just, for me, I, I relate best to the elements because um, just in, in my background, in my previous stuff that I've studied and worked with before Tarot, um, I just relate to the, the elements best. Right. And so that feeds into my Tarot work. And it's really funny because the the orbifold itself it's so minimal and so uh, clean and simple and, and uh, very minimal. And it's funny because my visual uh, aesthetic is usually not so minimal. <laughs> it's like you gotta have all this stuff. You know what you're saying is interesting because I have um, I, I come from I guess my own theory of you know first and foremost we're pattern readers and mm -hmm. so when you're talking about you looking at first of all you're you're scanning and seeing what the patterns are you're like you're recognizing something and it means this to to you so you have to consider that information and be able to pick out and I think when we're readers we also have to pick out what to tell people like we you know our intuition is grabbing and so you have to be able to quickly assign that it's almost like you've gotten a language down to where this this and this means and then you know I could look at the same spread and come in and say oh this means this random thing like and you know I've had that happen where it's like this card is supposed to mean this but how are you getting this out of it so it's like you have to understand how um the, the, the patterns we recognize and what those communicate to us, we have to kind of boil it down to something very, very simple. So what you've done is very fascinating in the Overfold Tarot because it's it's like, yeah, you're reducing it down to where, but it still doesn't mean that it's a simple reading. It could be a right. get to be a very complex and, and thorough reading. So, um, but I think looking at patterns is what we do, all of us do first and foremost, and we have to assign, you know, meanings to those patterns. Patterns. Absolutely. And sometimes those patterns elementally, they, they jump out more than they would in, in more visually dense uh, cards. I, I do believe many people look for the story in the cards, and of course that's why a deck like the Weight became so popular. But when we look back at some of the traditional cards or just playing cards themselves, people were actually used to just looking at things like pips and understanding that it symbolized something or it was associated with something or that there was a progressive story within each of those suits, you know, as you added more and more of that particular symbol, such as a cup or a diamond or whatever to that suit. So... Some of us like to think symbolically. Some of us like to associate very specific meaning to the cards. And then I love this. This is maybe more my style. I love to blend both of them together. Why not actually have an idea of what the symbols mean, but also allow your intuition to just go wild in whatever appears in the moment? Do you think that people who are doing non-traditional decks are choosing to self-publish because maybe they wouldn't get the same traction they would if they went to a publisher? 
I think it's partly that. I think it's also for me. I mean, I can mostly only speak for myself and and what I've heard from from a few other、uh, deck creators. But part of it is also self publishing is so much easier now. And I mean, you can go on on there's websites now that you can go on and you can just print off your own tarot cards, and it's super easy now. For my deck, that wasn't that was where I started, and then I kind of moved to a, a different printer、um, because the the cost for for some of the finishes and things that I wanted, the cost was getting a bit too much. And I think that's one of the advantages to going with a traditional traditional publisher is they're publishing so much and they've got、uh, so much capital already behind them that they can do gilded edges and they can do like all these fancy things. Without adding too much to the final cost of the deck,、um, and so there's an appeal that way. Yes.、Um, but on the other hand, publishers also wind up having more control. So,、um, you know, as as an artist, of course, I want my images to end up the way <laughs> that I intended them originally, and. I'm sure that some publishers are better than that、uh, about that than others, and I'm sure the publisher ultimately really has the same goal as the artist, and that is let's sell as much as we can, basically.、Um, but I know a couple other creators who did do that route of starting out independent and then going with、um, traditional publishers, and the publisher did want changes before their their version of the deck. And part of that, I think, is to set the indie ones apart from the from the mass produced ones. So the indie ones become more collectors' items too. So there's some value、uh, to to what's been done before. It's been really in,、uh, inspiring to hear you, and congratulations on your deck. It's an awesome deck, and、uh, we are looking to hear some feedback around this. So in, in any of our shows, so be sure to contact us through our website, through Facebook. And all the other channels that we have going on, even Twitter, I tweet this out and so、um, and post it all over the place. So yes, looking for some some、uh, information, feedback, f- and comments from you listeners. Thank you for spending time with us on Oracle Soup. We invite your comments and podcast suggestions on our Facebook page, also called Oracle Soup. And be sure to visit our website, oraclesoup.org, for hot new servings of our saucy talks. You can also subscribe to the Feed Burner or listen to our pantry of Oracle Soup archived recordings, along with articles. And links to more resources.、And、be sure to visit our personal websites to receive more information about us and the things that we offer individually. For Katrina, visit tarotcounseling.org. Counseling is spelled C-O-U-N-S-E-L-I-N-G.org, like in Oregon, O-R-G. And for Gina, visit. TarotAdvisor.com, and advisor is spelled A D V I S O R. This content and the content of these podcasts are intended only to provide a summary and general overview on matters of interest, 
It is not intended to be comprehensive, nor does it constitute legal advice or legal opinion. This content is intended, but not promised or guaranteed, to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. You should seek legal or other professional advice before acting or relying on any of the content. And thanks again for listening to Oracle Soup. Y'all come back now.